This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton and adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone and welcome to a What A Night, part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. Hope you had a fantastic new year and a great festive break in general. My name is Ben Haynes and here with me are Jude Summerfield of 90 Min fame, Hunter Godson also of 90 Min fame and then Dan Kilpatrick of Evening Standard fame and just all round top bloke fame. Um, a, a great weekend for Spurs off the back of a fairly rubbish period it has to be said. And it's great to be back and actually breaking it down. We've picked the perfect time to do so, haven't we? Come back in on a 3 deal win. <laughs> yeah, no, it's almost like we bottled doing the other one when it was all going wrong. We didn't do that. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't do that. We just, you know, Christmas is a time of relaxation and we decided to take a bit of time off. As did the players. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, and, and, you know, thankfully, our, our COVID boys... Um, well, and Fulham's COVID boys and everyone's COVID boys sort of gave us a game off as well. So, there you go. Yeah, let's get, do you know what? Before we do the Leeds game, let's get into that a little bit because obviously we haven't haven't spoken since then. That was a really, really weird day, wasn't it, Dan? Were you on your way to the stadium? No, because I think it became clear four or five hours, I'd say, before kickoff that it was in major doubt and then it was announced, what, Three hours. It was announced around about the time I would normally leave for the stadium. I think I normally leave about three hours mm. uh, before. So, yeah, uh, fortunately, I hadn't left the comfort of my sofa yet. But yeah, it, it, it was a strange day. And I, I think I can kind of sympathise with the Premier League if what they said about new information kind of only coming to light at that point is correct. But I also sympathise with, with Mourinho waiting at the training ground with the squad, not knowing what was going to happen. And he obviously wasn't happy about it, uh, as we've heard in his press conferences since. Jude, did you see the eagle-eyed social media folk out there manage to zoom in on the diary of the day? I didn't know. What, what, when was when was that? Well, weirdly, he did the, the, Mourinho did the video on Instagram, just kind of saying, like, mm-hmm. we're still sat here. 
And then someone paused the video and then zoomed in on how the day, like he has a, a sort of almost like hour by hour of, of what's going to happen over the course of the day. And people like zoomed in and, and sort of broke it as this big exclusive. And, and all it really said was like, go for a walk, then leave for the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically everyone's plan at the moment as well. Lockdown three on the <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's hardly outside of the box, go is it? Go for a walk. What was it, like two o'clock... Teach Wink, Winksy to be more of a shit house, or like, <laughs> that's, 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 like, that's the like level of like the conspiracies now. Is that it's like enhance, enhance that further, get closer <laughs> onto the page, magnify. Well, of course, <laughs> I, I, I totally missed that, but I wonder if it was deliberate. If he left it open just to show how meticulously planned his days Ooh. are and how screwed up yeah. it had been by the Premier League. <laughs> well, I yeah, didn't see that, so I'm, a... not, I'm not suggesting it was. <laughs> well, there was a little shout to Fulham as well, wasn't there? He sort of had a little, like, uh, a little kind of poke at Fulham, uh, particularly given that I think Pep Guardiola had spoken directly with Ancelotti, hadn't he? When they'd had a similar situation with City and Everton. Right. So he felt um, slightly perturbed that Scott Parker hadn't gotten his little mini and driven up to... White Hart Lane to apologise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I, I think there was there was a, a just a, a communication thing because the the reality is if the game's going to be off, it's going to be off. You know, it's, you, you sort of if you've got ten or fifteen people showing symptoms early in the day, the chances are game's not going to be on because it's yeah. just unsafe. Even if they haven't tested positive at that point, it's just not safe to do it. Um, anyway, we, we we sort of come off the back of that, and it felt like Leeds were the most perfect team that we could have possibly played uh, at, at off the back of a, a fairly turgid run um so let's go good bad ugly beautiful of of the Leeds game um Dan I'll let you go first who, who do you want to pick out what do you want to pick up pick out in the good section well I wanted to give a shout out to Bergwijn after what was probably another quite difficult game for him but one in which I thought he was actually very good um, he obviously missed three chances or, or missed two big chances and, and had, a, had a shot saved, which I think directly led to the corner which Alderville scored from. Um, but he won the penalty, which was, I think, the real turning point of the game. I think Leeds were probably the better side before that point, up until that point. They were certainly kind of easier on the eye and, and were probably shading it in terms of chances and, and XG and all that kind of stuff. But... The goal, uh, Kane's goal, really knocked the stuffing out of them, and and, and obviously Bergwijn and Winks were were, were the, the key men in that, with a kind of Bergwijn with a sort of clever turn on the edge of the box um, to get away from from Alioski. And I thought, you know, he, he had a, another good game. He put himself in the right positions. He worked really hard from the team. You know, it's no coincidence that you know, Son and, and Kane were were back to combining when they were up front with him because I think he he makes space. For them to exploit, and I think he's he's having a, a pretty encouraging season. But inevitably, when you miss the chances he did, after being taken out of the firing line for missing the chances he did at Anfield, you know it's going to create <laughs> debate. And I think he did snatch at the the second shot, the one on one with um, the goalkeeper in particular, which kind of betrayed his lack of confidence in front of goal. But I think, as, as Mourinho said afterwards. You know, he needs to be scoring more, but I think the goals will come. 
And I think he'll have a spell at some point this season that's that's, that's really encouraging in front of goal. Um, so I think he deserves to be in the good kind of overall. But um, on the whole, it was probably another sort of disappointing game. Yeah, I, th- I think the first chance that dropped him was probably more disappointing for me. I actually think the keeper did really well for the second one. It just sort of made the angle quite tight. But the, f- the first one, he really panicked after creating the space for himself. And that, I think it goes back to something you said a few weeks ago, Dan. He often creates chances completely for himself, which a lot of Spurs players struggle to do, especially when you compare him to probably Lucas Moura, who doesn't, who rarely creates clear scoring opportunities for himself, especially this season. But he turned him, and he, what he probably didn't know is he'd completely turned his defender and had a time to take a touch and finish it. But he, what he does, he spins, and he's still sort of spinning when he hits it and, and skies it. But... I'm really encouraged by by watching him, and I think that's the three that are now starting to gel. Uh, I also think we've been slightly spoiled by the finishing of Kane and Son over the last few years. You know that the, the efficiency with which they put the ball in the net is is rare. And um, although twenty was it twenty nine Premier League games without a goal for Bergwijn or something similar to that, it's a it's a long old time. It's a long old time. Um, Must have been since that United game and Project Restart, right? think yeah that sounds about right must be, he just needs one to go in off his bum I think. <laughs> honestly he just needs to get on the end of some loose cross at the back stick and just and just luckily bounce in um mm. but right now he's offering more than like suit lucas mora can and gareth bale is still obviously working his way back to being fit um and eric lamella is out for an unspecified reason um <laughs> that's think, like his yeah. brand is unspecified yeah, yeah. reason he can injury. be out for a year through <laughs> an unspecified reason <laughs> um, but yeah he's he's offering plenty Bergwijn at the moment and yeah he'll have a spell where it all comes together Jude did you do you get enough from his performance elsewhere to kind of make up for those missed chances or do you worry that when we get another game like Liverpool there might be only one chance in the whole game for us I mean we we know he's still really raw, don't we? So he's not that cool, calm, composed finisher that we'd like him to be just yet. So like when he did go through against Liverpool, the natural reaction was more like, oh, please score, rather than a Son or Kane, where you're like, this is going in. Um, but, you know, I th- I, he will have a run at some point. And if he, if he misses like a one-on-one against the top side, that's just something we'll have to live with, unfortunately. Um <laughs> But he's he's getting more out of his performances than than Lucas or Bale have so far this season, so it's encouraging enough for me. Sort of shades of Sterling, isn't there? So he does so much for the side and has so much work rate and so much uh, sort of craft that isn't the most glamorous, um, and and yet just a couple of times, key moments, you just think, oh, if that goes in, if that drops for him. Mm. Maybe he'll go on a maybe he'll go on a run. Um, let's uh, talk a little bit about Harry Winks because I felt like he had a, a, a really strong performance. Hunter, what did you enjoy about his performance? I just think 
good performance from him, yes. But I just think when we when he's selected, it's just instantly a more progressive decision from Jose Mourinho not to be like, right, I'm covering for the right back or I'm covering for this person, which is basically what Sissoko's role is covering for people's mistakes. Winks' role is to go on and, and drive the team forward. And like, recently, he's been winning the ball back and playing it forward and getting further up the pitch and, and linking the play together, which is, I, I think I think you said it, Hengzi, he sort of needs to make the decision as to what sort of player he's going to be now because he's been caught between a few two different managers, a few different ways of playing. And what, what I think we're starting to see is his decision of, right, I'm going to, I am going to be this sort of, this weaver and... Um, and that's that's what we saw from him. But he does have an edge to him as well. He's hard. He's a little hard bastard. And he likes putting himself <laughs> about, and it I th- he can be really valuable. And I like I prefer. I tweeted it actually. You know, he divides opinion. He seems to be massively marmite, uh, which is kind of strange to me. Um, but for such a vanilla player <laughs> to be <laughs> yeah. so marmite, he's really divisive. <laughs> I've, people seem to really d- dislike his style of play, which I, I think people just don't really like those sort of those players because if they have an underwhelming game it looks like a lot of sideways passes um but i th- i prefer watching tottenham when he's in the team especially if we're d- comparing the re- recent performances with sissoko as well yeah i think it's an encouraging step overall that winks is being picked out of sissoko or has been picked over him for the last three games because it just suggests that spurs want to get on the ball more or Mourinho wants spurs to get on the ball more i think sissoko's probably one of the best players in the Premier League to have on your side if you don't want to have the ball. You know, he's going to cover a lot of ground. He's going to be really tactically disciplined, fill in in difficult places, you know, help out your erratic right back, slot in between your centre-backs if needed. (laughs) Whoever that might be. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But but Winks is, is much more kind of progressive... A much more progressive pick and he's better on the ball and he's kind of more likely to, to get you moving in possession quickly and, and even kind of make something happen in the final third so you know, for all the talk about Mourinho's style over the last kind of month or, or well in fact for all the talk about Mourinho's style full stop um, I think Winks' inclusion does, does kind of suggest that he is willing to be a bit more front foot going forward Two big, two big moments in the game where I saw Mourinho go to the edge of his technical area and and do his sort of like lean in clap when he's really happy about something. It was Winks getting a yellow card for just a professional foul when someone got away from him, and then a point where Winks made a crunching challenge and then went another shot from thirty yards or twenty five yards. It went over the top, but he just loved it. And I thought, oh god, yes, that's a, a, like I really, really like that version of Harry Winks. You know, the one that's yeah. getting stuck in and, and prepared to have a go at God. I still think he needs to improve on his shooting, but... That yeah, that, of, Hazel, that's yeah. a good point. Whoever was on comms, obviously you two at the stadium, had a real go at him for that shot. It may have been Glenn Hoddle, was basically saying, does he practice shooting like that? Because it's a really <laughs> weird shot. <laughs> I was just thinking... A floaty uh, curler from four yards. Yeah, floaty <laughs> curlers. He's like, that can't be how he wants to shoot, can it? <laughs> oh, it's, it's, I think it's the intent, isn't it? It's just yeah. like, it's nice to know that he's got got that intention of, of doing that and he's confident enough to do it he also looked like he had the bit between his teeth as well I've seen a couple of performances particularly in the Europa League where he was almost tentative with this idea of like am I doing the right thing am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing in this sort of structure in this setup whereas it looked like he had a purpose um this week which I really really enjoyed was there anyone else Jude that you you picked out um I mean there's obviously Son Kane 
Um, Hoiberg was outstanding again. Got in his 50 billion shirt tugs and <laughs> fist pumps and stuff like that. Um, shirt tugs and fist pumps. That's an yeah, album. That's an- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Aldevar and the Lilywax. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Aldevar was uh, was 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 brilliant as well. Um, he obviously got his goal through some Mejlier mishaps. Um, and it's nice that those two, him and Dyer, were solid at the back. That killed bit, the game, didn't it? There's a bit yeah. of a and another as well, because Dyer yeah. went and booted it in as well. <laughs> <laughs> and another! <laughs> Absolutely I, I, was really, I was really worried about our defence as well. After about 10 minutes, Leeds, Leeds were pressing us as they do. And everyone looked panicky. Everyone, everyone had a moment within the first 15 minutes that made me think, God, we might struggle here. Because Ben Davis, I think, think he had a good game, Ben Davis, um, defensively. Uh, he gave the ball away t- twice. Dyer was dinking it into midfield to absolutely no one. Alderweireld, pretty good. And Doherty, who I think we'll come on to, was, again, not, not great in possession. But they, they, they you know, steadied the ship and, and the goals came and... And I think defense, to get a clean sheet against Leeds is a is a good performance because although they concede a lot of goals, they also I think they're joint. I think they're they, was it sixty three now? So thirty three against and thirty four. So that, you know they've 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 got goals in, in their, their game. last mm-hmm. last six games. Twenty seven goals. Yeah. I mean that is mental, isn't it? Yeah. Um, we should we should point out, like you said, we should point out the the Harry Kane son. Axis once again comes up trumps. Harry Kane now double figures for goals and assists. I think he's the only player in the top five leagues in Europe to have, have recorded that. Sonny getting his 100th goal and the pass for the second goal. I mean, we do loads on this pod anyway about how good they are, but the pass was just unreal, wasn't it, Dan? Yeah, it was the kind of perfect demonstration of, of what Son and Kane have have done so well and, and what's been so good about Spurs this season, I think, that the, the entire goal, you know, I think Hoiberg won the ball high up the pitch in a in a fairly similar fashion to the way uh, Winks won it for the, the first goal, um, which which was a great sort of demonstration of Spurs exploiting Leeds' weaknesses. Um, and then, yeah, Kane sort of great burst into space, head up, you know, inch perfect ball into the box and, and so on with a sort of deadly I think it was first time finish. So yeah, it, that that those sort of elements are what's been good about Spurs this season. You know, Hoyberg adding a bit of bite and those two um just being so lethal and, and kind of telepathic in the final third. So yeah, long may it continue and, and as I said at the top I think you know it, it makes a difference having having Bergwijn up there with him. They they, they seem to just looked less effective when he wasn't in the side when he was taken out of the firing line by Mourinho. It seems uh, odd to do a bad when we've won three nil, but around the 90th minute mark, Matt Darty give us one to uh, get our teeth stuck into. <laughs> Cheers, Matt. <laughs> it's like he knew. It's all about the content. It's, yeah. Like, yeah, it's content. like he felt the content needed a bad section. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just that the first one I have to say looked pretty harsh. The first yellow. In the in the duo, um, I didn't think it was a yellow card at the time. Especially, you know, the ref had sort of let a lot go, and then was picking and choosing. Anyway, whatever. That's another debate. The second one was just really poorly timed tackle. Definite yellow card. More just like 
I don't know. Why? I think, he, I think his <laughs> overall performance was underwhelming, though. I think that's the sort of. I think that's the worrying thing. And in, in like a quite a strong performance again, his stood out to me as not not bad, but just again left me wondering: Is there more to Matt Dotti, or is this is this what what we, what we've bought? Um, I, and. I know it's un- it's almost unfair to judge because he played almost his entire Wolves career as a right wing back. You know that's how Wolves play. They play with a three, and he's a wing back, and he's covered by whoever Cody or Bolly behind him. So to play him in a four, I think I just think we're seeing a, a guy who has his limitations in a back four, basically. And you know, I think I think we've spoken about it before for the money Spurs paid. That's kind of all right. It wasn't a lot of money. If we get two good seasons out of a good cover right back for Aurier, who has come on quite well this season, or even if we can sell him on in a couple... Of, do you know what I mean? I don't think it's a massive loss. The, the more concerning thing is, is this his ceiling? Um, and it might be. It might be. I think he just looks quite short of confidence, quite strangely, and perhaps it is playing in the back four, but he just doesn't look like a guy who's really kind of trusting himself to play to his strengths at the moment. I think what he showed at Wolves and what everyone was excited about when he came to Spurs was, was getting forward, basically. And even if that's in a four, you know, we, we all know about the high right back. We know this <laughs> Got to mention it. I know, I know. Dan loves the high right back. <laughs> we, we, know, we know there's licence to, to get forward, you know, even in this Spurs team this season that's been a lot more passive. You know, Mourinho doesn't mind that. So I think he just doesn't look to me like someone who's who's got enough confidence to, to kind of play to strength at the moment, which, which is a bit strange. And it might be just that he's had a slightly difficult start and, and been in and out of the team, conceded a, a couple of penalties and now obviously been sent off, which isn't going to help. But I don't think we're seeing him at his kind of limit or, or ceiling or anything like that. I think he is a better player than he's showing. But... It, whether it's the, the the setup or whether it's kind of something within within him, he just doesn't look like he's kind of anywhere near the player that that, that Spurs thought they were signing. What do you reckon, Judy? Uh, well, yeah, we we liked him at Wolves because he was a rampaging wing back, really, didn't we? Um, and I don't think he or Ben Davis were given those roles on Saturday to, you know, really get back and push those leads, you know, wingers and defenders backwards. Um, so he's very. He's just asked to sit in and try and defend, and he's, he's short on confidence and not the greatest one-on-one defender or tackler. So it's it's a tricky one at the moment. Problem is, you're not also. It, it, he's also not the best crosser. Mm. I think it, the thing that he was doing at Wolves as he was sneaking into the box and arriving late on. Yeah, he was getting uh, on the I, end of things. Yeah, and and so to turn wide areas where he wants to clip crosses as opposed to whip them, it's, it's just not very dangerous. So it sort of then leaves you wondering, like, okay, what is it that you're actually, what's going to be your function, you know? And maybe just, maybe he's a, a bit of a victim of circumstance, just in terms of the way that the team's set up. It's not exactly helping him. Um, but he did that, that, it didn't look great, did it? That look on Mourinho's face as he kind of <laughs> stood sheepishly at the end of the tunnel because he didn't want to go into the change room. So he just sort of stood on the end did you, of the tunnel. Obviously, you, I mean, you two are at the stadium, but they, they did, they exchanged words. Um, 
for for a couple of minutes while the cameras were on them after he got sent off. And I was I was like, I would pay good money to know I want to hear what he's saying <laughs> to him there. Yeah, because he sort of stood there as you said with his arms crossed and his legs crossed, looking across at him, and he was chatting. And I was like, God, I bet you're fuming. I bet <laughs> Sorry, you're Dad. Fuming. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I remember the first couple of games this season. Um, he was getting, he was really bombing on Dotti, and it, he was getting into the area, and he almost scored a couple of goals right at the beginning. Of, but what was really noticeable was he was struggling to get back. He was struggling to get um, cover cover himself, and obviously in a back in a back when he has a back three behind him, that's fine because the centre back can sort of go out and cover the wing. But without without that. And with Hoybier sort of still slotting in, it just looked massively disjointed and we were getting found out down there quite a lot. Um, so, uh, yeah, maybe maybe Dan's right and it's just still a matter of settling in. It probably doesn't actually help him very much that Aurier's been been much better, um, which is good, you know, good for us as fans. We want, we want those, those, those um, positions to be really uh, fought for. We don't want people to be too settled, as we've seen, as we saw last year with Aurier, when he felt like there was no. He said it in interviews. There's no one to challenge me for this position. It basically became like a walking football, which wasn't a great watch. Should we? Uh, th- there is a couple of other bads, but I feel like we we should ping on because we got to do an ugly, which is just really, really unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Like our track record with COVID as a club hasn't been phenomenal i mean we've done some great <laughs> stuff understatement in terms of like, <laughs> yeah he do does some great then? stuff in terms of the uh in terms of the the, the hospital and the uh, postnatal ward and yeah. like, i was really lucky i got to see during the, the the sort of the end of that that i got to see it in action while we were rehearsing for the n17 live show and it was genuinely amazing like it was incredible but yeah we were there the good we? that's been done with that we went, yeah, we, well, we, we, did the, the, we did the new kit launch. We did the kit launch video for Spurs this year, and and we went in, and it was it was crazy. Like they had proper tiered inside the stadium where you'd usually be as press or something. It was probably like, you're not allowed in here. There's people having <laughs> babies. <laughs> um, it was incredible. No, it was it was, and I, that you're right. That was a really amazing effort, and especially seeing it on the inside, it was like, wow, God, there's a lot of infrastructure that's sort of been created and used properly here. But, as you said, the players, I mean, that's the club, and then there's the, the players, and the, yeah, and it was just, I think Mourinho, Mourinho's disappointed comments summed it up so nicely about the the little pig that he bought. <laughs> he bought I, I love the fact that he said, and that was a great <laughs> gift. That was, If you're Spanish watching, that's an amazing gift. Yeah. <laughs> Like, all right, mate. We'll take your word for it. Look, no one said he was regifting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like Secret Santa in it, where you want someone to know that you spend more than the ten quid yeah, allowance. Yeah. Probably that probably cost quite a bit. Whoever bought that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's also the, the second port product he's bought. Regulon. Yeah. So he bought him the leg of. He bought him the jamon. Yeah, he did. Uh, Iberico or whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> He seems to be just going through the the pig, trying to feed him up, uh, cut by cut. <laughs> that they're 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 really expensive, right? The the yeah. hamon ibiracos. They're like they're, they can be like thousands of pounds, which is you know. There you go. That's why you wanted us all to know. I think Mourinho put a price on it. Oh, did he? Really <laughs> yeah. One thousand nine hundred fifty pounds. That right there. Have a look. I feel like it was a hundred quid or something. But, but it was. Um, yeah, he was. The whole debate was like. The players wanted a 
a ham for some reason. And then Mourinho was like, who's going to pay? Oh, I'll pay if you do, if you win uh, the game or something. Keep, it so. was if you stop Mares, wasn't it? It's something like that. Yeah, if you stop Riyad Mares. He did have a worldie that game. He had a very fair. good game. Mm. Loves himself some ham. Mm. <laughs> she just incentivise him with pork products every match. Every week. <laughs> <laughs> So what? Like, where did we go? Where did we go wrong here? I mean, I feel like we should be fair and honest. Um, it like it sucks. It's rubbish. Mm. Should we be going as hypercritical as as the world is, or or do you think they deserve a little bit of leeway for the for the New Year's? Was it Christmas or New Year's? It was Christmas, wasn't it? It was Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. I think I think you have to be a bit of both. I think obviously people are going to go really, really over the top one way and the other way. I think in reality, yes, they were they were silly to do that. They were especially silly to post photos. That's a sort of like that's just that's crazy to think. I think the other thing that people would point out is they've been given a special access by the government to carry on doing their their thing. Which they may see as work, but a lot of people will see it as you still get to go out and see your friends and play football every day. Um, the, the other side of that is basically, I think, what Pep Guardiola said yesterday, which is a sort of a mixture of these are still people trying to live their their lives and they're trying they're trying to be sensible in the way that they know how. And you know, and Mourinho sort of said as well, didn't he? He was like, we can't look after these people all day every day. At the end of the day. They're, they're individuals. We don't have 24-hour surveillance and they make their own decisions. So, yes, individually, they'll all know they made errors. They'll all put out apologies that no one will, everyone will sort of half-read. I don't think there's any need to overreact. Um, but at the same time, they have to understand that it was just stupid, basically, at the end of the day. Yeah, there's, there is definitely a, a bubble within a bubble, isn't there, in football now? Because of COVID, you're so... Even the way the team arrives, the way that they do everything, it's almost like you're shielded from the shield. You know, it's <laughs> it, it, it's really, really weird. But then I guess, I mean, I wouldn't know, but I guess you maybe lose grasp or lose touch of the reality of the situation because you don't see the situation, right? I mean, you're not you're not actively seeing how how bad it is. Am I being am I giving too much leeway there, Dan? I see it the other, completely the other way, really. I think it's more inexcusable because they must be so hyper-aware of all the measures being put in place to keep them safe and keep them in the bubble. You know, the general population aren't being tested twice a week like the Premier League footballers are. Um, and, you know, there, there, there'll be measures all around the training ground, you know, when they come to work. And, and, and obviously every game, as, as we all know, having been to the stadiums behind closed doors, there, there are kind of different zones and different protocols and um, different security measures you need to go through just to get inside the stadium. So I don't think ignorance is, is really an excuse. I, I do think it was pretty poor form. Um you could sort of understand if it had been kind of Regulon going to the home of, of kind of Lamella, who I think is. Well, he would have been allowed family. to do that. He would have been, like, legally, he would right, have been allowed yeah. to do that. Okay. Like, that's why it confused me, because I was like, you don't have to spend Christmas on your own. I'm not having to go to Regulon because I understand that he's just, like, he's just mm. arrived, right? And and I'm not suggesting that he would know the ins and outs of things straight away, but you, if you're on your own, you can create a support bubble with 
with someone else. Especially well, if he sees it, yeah. every I mean, day. It would have been totally understandable. Yeah. Yeah, and, and especially as they're being tested, it's the kind of load of of other randoms, including that kind of really magnificent bloke with the long hair. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> long lost brother. He's a bit like he's a bit yeah. of like the um, <laughs> he's a bit like Gary Lineker's brother, but the Pochettino <laughs> version of that. What's his name? Wayne Lineker. Wayne Pochettino. Sort of that guy stole the show a little bit, didn't he? <laughs> really stole the show. Jude, what was your take? Where do you fall down? Because I saw. I looked at the re- the replies to the to the various apologies. There was a lot of angry people, and you can understand, right? You can understand people's frustration. Yeah, it was. It's like it's a bit of a timely reminder that footballers, you know, they're they're not all geniuses, and they're capable of moments of sort of idiocy, like uh, like that, like that was. And it's not great when it comes during a time when. Our rate is sort of spiraling out of control here in the UK, but we also, you know, as people who have lived here most of our lives, we probably consume a lot more media, uh, British media, as opposed to Giovanni Lascelles, Eric Lamella, or Sergio Aguilon. Um, but yeah, they they should be read up on the on the uh, on what's happening and like stories from hospitals and stuff like that. And it's not a good look. And I didn't. I didn't care for it when it when it came out. I thought it was a bit like, especially as they were having it with Manuel Lenzini, who, <laughs> you know, scored that blinder against us in what October, which you know they've just made up with him. It's fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's right, that's why Tottenham fans yeah. are annoyed, I reckon. Yeah, but no, I, I I have to say, Ben, I didn't care for any of it. No. Yeah, I think Dan made a really good point there, in that like you can still. Um, you could be symptomless with COVID and you would still be out of action for two weeks. Mm, Like if you've got no symptoms, but you test positive, that means you've got to not play. Like it's such a risk. You wouldn't go, I think you wouldn't, you wouldn't go away on, on holiday and just be like, Oh, I'll just have a bit of some banned substances while I'm away. (laughs) Because if you get found out or if if someone come and test you, you, you're in trouble. And And I mean, it is the, it's kind of the same same here, and I think probably I, I got to say I'm being a little bit more sensitive to it just because I'm consu- I, I'm probably consuming too much media at the moment. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm I'm probably sort of over scaring myself. But it's it, we're, we're not in a good place nationwide at the moment. Do you think they they felt a sense of sort of we're being tested twice a week, we'll be fine, sort of thing? Like there's we're you know five of us here or four of us here get tested twice a week, and what's the likelihood of someone else? being oh wait someone else has got it <laughs> albeit there is 15 people in that picture so you know it i think it's a, an arrogance as well in that in that sort of thing of just like yeah we'll, we'll be all right and then you know as, as yeah. we found out you you won't always be all right i think that, that i think clubs need to make it clearer to footballers that it does look like a lot of them are sort of coming down with longer covid as well a lot of footballers seem to be affected by by it for an extended period of time, and I think I think we'll find out maybe during or afterwards that it does seem to affect people with sort of those really uh, athletes. Basically, it does seem to be affecting athletes quite badly. Yeah, it, and I, I think it's um, like you said. There's a, there's a there's definitely a question around the uh, like. I think a lot of the uh, the elite. I see. I mean, there's so many people right now that run holiday. 
<laughs> so many people yeah, right is. now that have gone like to Dubai and yeah. stuff, and you're just like, oh my god, like <laughs> this is just beyond me. I think there's a, there's an almost a, a like, well, it doesn't apply to me. You <laughs> got to stay. It doesn't apply to me. Anyway, let's crack on and do something a little bit more uplifting. Uh, the beautiful bit. So two beautifuls that I'd like to go through. One, and Dombele playing what 78 <laughs> minutes or whatever he played we'll get there um, by the end of the season yeah. <laughs> we'll get there i was really hoping he was gonna do 90 because mm, i think you once you break through right you're more likely to be able to do it again he'd look knackered though let's be honest <laughs> uh, at 75 minutes i thought he might be able to do it at 78 i thought he was puff someone just walked past him with the ball basically <laughs> i was like nah he's done get him off gets the cycle on come on we'll see there it was out. there was like a challenge on the touchline mm just in front of the press box, just before he went off. Yeah. I think as kind of Sissoko and Lucas were, were getting ready to come on, where he just kind of, he could have got the ball, but he just kind of couldn't be asked and it rolled out of play. <laughs> and just almost like simultaneously, everyone in the press box just sort of turned to their neighbour and went, yeah, he's finished. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he was lovely again to watch up until that point. He, he was just, he was having fun. And, and for that first hour, it was really, really good to watch. And then, it is becoming. To, I mean, is it a worry? He can't do ninety minutes. We or did are more. We just all right, are we just alright with more. him? Are we just alright with him being good for seventy minutes and then? Oh no! I'm de- look. We need him for ninety minutes. Yeah, That's part do. of the reason why we're struggling towards the back end of games is because we've got no out ball. Mm. Mm. We've got no way of just relieving think, a bit of pressure. But particularly with Lacelso being out, because that kind of worked fine, didn't it? I mean, it, particularly the Man City game where you you kind of hook and Dombele after an hour, but you've got this almost sort of like-for-like like replacement or a player with, with sort of a fairly similar skill set is able to come on. Um, you know, I was, it's sort of off the point slightly, but, you know, the the, the role in Dombele's been playing recently, I think should give a lot of hope to Delhi Because it did look, I think, a few weeks ago, like there wasn't really a place, or let's say a few months ago, like there wasn't really a place in Mourinho's side because Kane was doing so much of the, the heavy lifting creatively by dropping back. But... Ndombele is like properly the the guy pressing from the front now. You know he's playing such an advanced number ten role. He's often closer to Kane than than Son or or Bergwijn, who are doing kind of more industry in in wide areas. So, you know that really suggests to me that you know Delhi could be quite a good replacement for him. At, yeah, against Brentford and and perhaps against Marine as well. Um, you know if. if Mourinho's looking to give him a rest in, in either of those games, and I, I don't feel like that's a, you know, he's a bad replacement at all. Yeah, I hope he gets some game time. I really do. There was like a lot of chat around potentially him getting a start in this one, but you'd think, given that he he didn't really sort of come close, that uh, that maybe the the game against Brentford will be the one for him. Uh, let's just quickly touch on um, the Harry Kane's penalty. Gets that one out of the way. <laughs> I hate it. This is more one for me. I just can't stand it when he goes down the middle. So it's lovely to see that one go in. Mm. And then now he can go back to spanking them in the corners. Um, and you know what? While we're, while we're here, let's just have a little uh, chat about um, about Brentford coming up. This is such a massive opportunity, isn't it? And you kind of feel like we, got, we, we, we couldn't have asked for a better draw at home against the team that you would have wanted out of the three options mm. when the draw happens. So... We need we need to get through this. Yeah, this is a big one for uh, for Tottenham, but mainly for oh what a night, stalwart uh, Sean Walsh because this is a this is a, a clash of his his local team and and, his, and the team in his heart and he couldn't be with us today, but he he sent a, a little 
preview of the game. So I'll play that now. I've had to wait a long time for Spurs to face Brentford, my team facing my local team. So I'd like to thank Fate, or rather Darren Bent, for drawing the two in the semi-finals of the League Cup. But what do we need to know about the Bees? Well, let's start with the facts. They're fourth in the Championship and just two points off an automatic promotion spot with a game in hand. Having lost star forwards Ollie Watkins and Saeed Ben Rama in the summer, which is a combined 43 goals in all competitions last season, and clearly among the Championship's best players, that's a solid position to be in. Like, I don't know how many teams can lose their two best players in that amount of goals and still be pretty much in the same place they were last year. But the club recruit well, and they have a philosophy that runs from top to bottom based on a key footballing principle, POMO, or position of maximum opportunity. It's plastered around their Jersey Road training ground, and the term was initially devised decades ago to explain pretty much the use of Route 1 football, so pumping the ball into areas where you're more likely to score goals as soon as possible. The Bees have adapted it to the modern game and based their style on patient possession football, and they try and take shots from good locations, so... In other words, the big XG nerds and the club owner, in fact, made a lot of money based on his own kind of expected goals formula. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Spurs had about 35% possession at home to a side a whole division below them, but Mourinho would definitely see it as needs must. His opposite number, Thomas Frank, have become notorious in the championship for making outlandish comments and sticking by his footballing principles, probably making him the perfect foe for Mourinho. And I wouldn't be surprised if Jose actually refers to him as Frank Thomas instead. Brentford remain a relatively young and sometimes naive side, as shown by their player final loss last season, and that should play into Spurs' hands. But regardless, they're still a side full of quality players who would be able to make the step up to the Prem and will cause Tottenham a few problems. New star forward Ivan Tony has scored 16 goals in 22 games for Brentford since arriving from Peterborough in the summer and is the closest thing in the Championship to a truly complete striker. He can score all kinds of goals, he'll make goals for himself. He'll link up play, he's quite quick, he's quite strong, he can dribble a little, he can score headed goals, poached goals, worldies, you name it. He'll probably be flanked by young Frenchman Brian Umbermo, the last remaining part of Brentford's exciting BMW frontline from last season, and hard-working Spaniard Sergi Canos. Behind them, Spurs will have to be wary of Josh De Silva, and I expect a few comparisons to be made with Moussa Dembele after the first few minutes. He could be assisted in the midfield battle by Christian Norgard, who's basically a slightly downgraded version of Hoiberg in every sense. Flying left-back Rico Henry will give Sergio Aurier something to think about defensively, and I suppose after finding the net, they'll have to get the better of Pontus Janssen and Ethan Pinnock. Brentford used to have one of the worst aerial dual success rates in England and could see lots from set-pieces, so they simply signed two really tall centre-backs, and it's worked for them. Off the bench, Spurs will have to be wary of young striker Marcus Force, who simply has a knack for scoring goals. He made Lemus Soko look silly on international duty for Finland in a win over France back in November. So I expect Brentford to line up with David Raya, who became quite infamous for ballsing up a goal in the playoff final last season. He'll probably start over cupkeeper Luke Daniels because of the magnitude of the game. At right back, he'll be Denmark international Henrik Dalsgaard, followed by Pontus Janssen, Ethan Pinnock and Rico Henry. Christian Njorgaard, even though he's only just come back from injury, expecting to play at DM with Matthias Jensen and Josh De Silva. And then up front, Ivan Tony, Brian Umbermo and Sergi Canos. Hey, this is a game between the fourth place team in the Prem and the fourth place team in the Championship. There's nothing Spurs to worry about, right? I don't know. Just try not to think about it. Come on, you Spurs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So as uh, as Sean said, uh, just try not to think about it. What could uh, what could possibly go wrong? Dan, who do you reckon starts out of the big boys? I think it'll be a pretty strong team. I think it, Mourinho said it's his most important game at Spurs. So I think it'll be the the, the core spine of the team. So Lloris, one of Dyer, Alderweireld, Hoiberg, 
Kane and Son, and then he'll build it around that spine. With I would imagine that the likes of Delhi, probably Regulon, Aurier, or Tanganga have got to play because Doherty's suspended, um, and probably given that Winks is, is sort of edge ahead of Sissoko, you'd think Sissoko might come in. Um, although, the, the, yeah, as, as Hunter says, the, the Marine game kind of gives you the option now to um, play a complete second string in, in that match, um, even a couple of young players maybe. Um, so I think Mourinho can go as strongly as he wants. I'm excited. Yeah. It is. It's an exciting game, isn't it? And I'm just a little bit gutted that the final's been moved back to April. I mean, it could mean that fans are in the stadium, but it really was sat there on the horizon, wasn't it, as a potential could get one in the bag and then look ahead mm. to the the Europa League and start doing all that, oh, look, they've got the winner's mentality thing, <laughs> which we know is like actually more just... There's a lot of just hot air in there, but but, um, but it could have been... Hainsey. Now, now the final back end of April. That's two. I think it's two weeks away from the Europa League semi-finals. So, is it? If 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 we're in it and we're still in the Europa League, it could turn into a very very exciting end to the end of the season for Spurs. So, so keep them crossed. Yeah, touch wood. Look, it's been a joy. Great to be back. Thank you so much for to everyone for for joining us and for listening. Um, make sure you do subscribe to the pod if you haven't already, um, and get involved in the reviews. Like it takes two seconds to just hit your amount of stars that you would like to hit. So do please, uh, preferably get, five though. Yeah, but <laughs> it's even quicker if you do five. Yeah. So yeah, get involved. Hit us with a rating and a review, and we'll see. You. Are we are we podding at the back end of this week? Should yes, we do a bit of chat about Brentford? Five, uh, uh, let's do yeah, let's do one on Friday ahead of Marine because there is some interesting stuff about Marine as well. Yeah, and we can uh, we can cool. get stuck into who'll uh, who'll play in that one. Cheers, guys. See you all next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.